welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. This is the seventh message in this series, and I, I'm really excited about ministering this because this needs to be a part of this series. This is a foundational truth that we need to all embrace with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is called healing and divine health. And I know you might be thinking that I said the same word twice, but I did not. Healing is one thing. Divine health is a whole nother thing. So hopefully before the end of today, you understand and you're headed towards what Jesus wants you to have. A wise master builder is starting their project a wise master builder who starts their project, first they must clear the land for the foundation. Uh, a good friend of mine owns an excavation company and he makes millions of dollars moving dirt. And he gets to play with big toys. <laughs> millions of dollars a month, actually, millions of dollars a month moving dirt. You know, I used to do that for free when I was a kid. I'd take a dirt clot and move it right towards my brother's head. Never made a million dollars. Why? Because I wasn't moving the right dirt for the right reason. Part of establishing a foundation is you have to clear out bad stuff. You put a foundation on top of a tree, guess what's going to win? The tree, over time, the tree. I have, I have multiple pictures on my phone of all the places that Kay and I have been blessed to go and hike up random trails. trails. I think we've been places that no human has ever been before. And I have taken picture after picture of little, of massive boulders, literally split in half by little trees. Stumps, dead stumps, where a new tree has grown out and split the stumps. Foundations, uh, you, even on, you can go look at any, any parking lot, no matter how big, no matter how awesome the concrete, no matter, if there is a piece of weed that gets down in a crack somewhere, you got a pothole. It's coming, because that weed's going to win. And you plant your foundation on weeds, the weed's going to win, the tree's going to win. So the first thing you got to do to build foundation is you have to clear out the garbage. The trees, the weeds, the rocks, the soft places, the hard places. you got to start fresh. And a lot of people in Christianity have never done this. They've entered into a church like this or a revelation like this, the grace and faith message, the finished work of Christ message. And they've come in here and they're going to add this to all the other stuff. It is, you cannot mingle. You cannot put new wine in old wineskins. You have to clear out the foundation. A lot of people won't do this, and eventually they'll go back to the old ways because the old ways are more familiar and they're more safe. Amen. They'll quit the church and they'll go back and they'll do it the old way. Well, you know, I know God wants me sick, Steve, with all that healing preaching. He's wrong because I was there for 27 minutes and never got healed. 
Well, God bless you. Just stayed right in there, didn't you, bucko? First, they got to clear the land for the foundation. Once the ground is prepared, a strong foundation then can be laid. Only when our foundations are strong can we help build another person up. Amen. Amen. Until you've got it figured out, don't try to help someone else figure it out. Amen. You cannot give what you don't have. We read that verse. Healthy people make healthy people. I don't know why everybody in my family is so jacked up and messed up and all the time. I... Whoops. Healthy people make healthy people. Sick people make sick people. Amen. You ever, you ever wander up on a conversation, two sick people talking about they're sick? Oh, man, I got this pain right here, and it's been about 27 years. Well, hold on, I got one better. I got two pains, and they've been there 32 years. Hold on. Somebody else will walk up. I got one even. It's like bragging about how sick you are, how broken, how unhealthy you are. Don't brag about that. We can often recognize the strength and health associated with another person's good foundations. If you look at another person and you recognize that there's good things in their life, you're actually a little bit unique. Because some people won't take the time. They won't actually assess other people's lives and say, you know, I want to have a marriage like that guy. I want to be healthy like that guy. I want to be joyful like that guy. I want to be whatever. Pick your thing. We actually don't do that very often. What we tend to do is we tend to notice the bad things in another person. We say, oh, man, I hope I'm never like that. We well, already are. We should look at people that are successful. This was one of the qualifications, and you heard Doc Ryan talk about this. One of the qualifications of an elder is you're doing it. These things are in your life. You literally had to go to a person before they could be an elder and say, okay, do you have this in your life? Yep, here's my family. Do you have this in your life? Yep, I'm not greedy. Do you have this in your life? Yep, I'm not a striker. Do you have this in your life? Yep, I'm not addicted to wine. Do you have this in your life? Okay. Will you meet the qualifications? Let's pray and see what Jesus has to say. Before they even prayed for the guy being an elder, they made sure that he... <laughs> well, if we're supposed to do that to make an elder, why don't we do that with each other so that we can be more elder? Well, man, look at the way that this person I go to church is doing this. Maybe I should go to them. Nah, I'll just watch me on YouTube. Okay. Good luck, and I hope that preacher isn't at home with his four wives, because <laughs> they do. Just because somebody's anointed on YouTube don't mean they're anointed. A lot of charismatic people can convince you of stuff that you should never know. The labor and patience required to find heavy granite, cut it, transport it, and place it meticulously where it needs to be, often is what dissuades a person from finishing the process. Wait a minute, I gotta go way over there, cut all this granite, load it, move it way back over here, and this is how I'm gonna start building my house? 
Uh-uh, just give me some mud, man. And then they build the wrong thing. It, it ta- the more you labor over, the more purposeful you are, the more meticulous you are about building the foundation in your life, the more beneficial the building will be. If you cut corners on the foundation of your belief systems, you will be cut. How many half-constructed lives are wandering our world today? It's not how well you start, it's how well you finish. Don't tell me about how awesome the half of your foundation is. Show me how great the whole building is at the end. Matthew chapter 7 in the New Living Translation, Jesus said, verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and, conjunction, follows it, is wise. Anybody in here want to be wise? (laughs) Half the church. Hopefully I get that number up before we get done. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, Jesus connotes that a wise person is the same as a person who builds their house on a rock. Though the rain came in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. Jesus promised us that if we build properly, our house will not collapse. He didn't say it won't shake. He didn't say it might even not spring a leak and you're going to have to get the roof fixed later. He didn't say that you're going to sleep peacefully because there's rainbows, butterflies, and Jesus all day long every day. But he said your house won't collapse. And everybody in this room, you know a Christian who had their house collapse. Don't be that. Jesus is telling you how to not be that. Be wise. Don't be a fool. 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. He threw that in there. You know what that means? Everybody's going to know. Let let me say this. I ain't got time to drill into this, so I'm just going to throw this out there and move on. If you will go to someone and you will get help with the cracks in your foundation, you can, you can get stuff fixed in intimacy. But if you don't deal with that and you put on your super cool Facebook profile picture and you move on like you're awesome and there ain't nothing wrong with you, I'm living my best life yet, when your building collapses, it's going to collapse so loud and so big that the whole world is going to know. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? You go get the cracks fixed secretly with people that God has given to you to counsel you, to disciple you. You go get that sorted then, you'll never have a mighty crash. I could preach a sermon on that. I'm not going to do it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Ryan sang this to us, so I'm just going to read it and move on. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's sight. You know, if, if you're not rejected by men, you're probably not in the place of being chosen and precious in God's sight. Amen. You have to trade one for the other. 
And most people would rather be accepted by men. I just wanna be popular, I wanna be cool, I want people to like me, I want lots and lots of friends. You know they're fake, right? Don't matter, I just want them. Yep. Okay. Verse five, and you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Notice he references scripture. We just ministered on this the last two Sundays, how the word of God is part of the important foundation construction that everybody in here needs to have. If you do not know the word of God, you do not have the components that are necessary for you to build a foundation. It's like building a foundation out of concrete and you ain't got no cement. How are you gonna do that? You gotta get the cement. The word of God is the cement. See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never, God word, never be put to shame. Christianity without healing is Christianity without Christ. And I'm, I'm not going to spend all day long justifying myself or defending myself about talking bad about other denominations but I'm gonna let you know that we are in a minority of people in here today that actually believes that Jesus heals today. A minority position. And, I, and I'm gonna, I, when I was praying about this, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I say that, then somebody else, he's, I, just say what I want you to say. Christianity without healing is Christianity without Christ. Christ was the healer. He hasn't changed. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. If Jesus healed in the Gospels, he's healing today. If your tradition, if your belief, if your denomination doesn't believe that Jesus heals today, then you have a different Jesus. That ain't going to work out well. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through the authentic Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. If you've got a different Jesus that don't heal today, that door ain't gonna take you where you wanna go. Jesus needed works as the confirmation of his ministry. And it, what it confirmed was that his ministry was from God and confirmed by God. If we preach the same message, authorized by the same God, should we not have the same confirmation? John chapter 14, verse 10, do you not believe that I, this is Jesus speaking, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now why would he even ask that question? And you can go look at the context, but one of the reasons that he was saying that was because they were struggling in believing that he really was who he was. You know, there's Christians today that are struggling believing who he is, even though he is. For example, he is the healer. I don't know if Jesus wants to heal me. You know, I did stupid stuff. You think you're the only one that's ever done stupid stuff? How many of the people that Jesus healed, the tens of, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in the Gospels, do you think did stupid stuff? 
<laughs> when somebody walked up to him like, Lord, heal me of my leprosy. Well, hold on. Did you cuss today? Huh? Did you drink too much wine? Mm-hmm. I can see it on your beard. He, never. None of that was ever a part of his healing in anybody's life. He just believed. Now, what happens when you are living an unholy life? You can't believe. Because your heart condemns you. Your life convicts you. So you can't come to him in pure faith. You have faith that he heals. You have faith that he's the healer. You have faith that he did what needed to heal you. But you know you did stupid crap. And so you've got unbelief pulling one way and you've got faith pulling another way. Do you not know, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, words, word of God, the words I say to you do not speak, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it's the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. This is one of those verses that gets misquoted all the time. We say, Jesus said that I only say the things that I hear the Father say and I only do the things that I hear the Father do. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that he hears what the Father says the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it's the Father dwelling in me, performing the works. So he sees the Father work, and then he says what the Father works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Notice this. This is such, such an important half a verse. Or at least believe on account of the works. I have seen thousands at this point of people healed. And some of them super miraculous. I've seen tumors fall off, the, off of people. Me and Bob were in Pakistan. We've seen some crazy stuff in Pakistan. That was awesome. I've been to Thailand, seen some awesome stuff in Thailand, in Kenya. Man, I'm, I'm not going to tell any testimonies. All I'm saying is that I've seen, we've seen the dead rays. Where's Mark? The... I've seen the dead rays. I've seen tumors fall off of people. I see people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen people's legs grow. I've seen, I've seen incredible radical stuff. And sometimes I'll be ministering to somebody and trying to witness to them to, to become born again, to be saved. And they're like, eh, you know, and they got all their arguments and we're doing logic. And then I'll say, hey, I've seen the dead raised. No, you haven't. Yeah, I have. I've got nurses you can call. They've seen them die. I've seen tumors fall off of people. Really? Yeah. They have an argument intellectually, but when I say I've seen it, I've seen a tumor fall off a guy. You, you don't forget that. Amen. And then if somebody's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be saved. I don't know about God. I don't know about, you know, at that point, like you're just ignorant. If somebody has seen that, and I've seen that. You're never going to talk me out of Christianity. <laughs> I've seen it. And Jesus confirms that. At least believe the miracles that you've seen. Maybe you don't believe all my words. Maybe you don't believe my doctrines. Maybe you can't put all the stuff together. Maybe I'm, I'm preaching over your head. But can you believe the works? Yeah. That guy was blind. Now he sees. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I tell you, 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I'm doing. That's a, that's a qualification statement. Do you believe in Jesus? He said, if you do, you'll do his works. He said, I didn't say, don't get mad at me. I know a bunch of you are like stupid Steve with his verse. I didn't write any of this. Jesus said it. Well, I've never seen anybody healed. You better get to stepping. About time to figure it out, huh? Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll do what he did. <laughs> Amen. A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. In fact, I think I need a hug right now, so everybody just say, I love Pastor Steve. Got a warm fuzzy, and my eagle beak is smiling. <laughs> he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And this is one of those verses when I was in Bible college, we were in Word of Faith Bible college, and we were weird. And this was one of those verses, I'm going to do the greater works. You know, we'd come in, we we're a bunch of 20-year-olds filled with vim and vigor, and we'd show up to Bible school like, all right, we're going to move mountains, part in the Red Sea. Ha, I'm going to part the ocean. And we, and we were fired up, and we really thought we were going to do some of this stuff. And we were, we we're always going to do the greater works. We're going to do greater works than Jesus. He said we should. Get this tattooed on the back of our Bible and on the back of our forehead. Like that, we're going to do greater works. And I had a preacher one time, he stood up there and said, anybody in here believe that you're going to do the greater works than Jesus? And obviously our whole class, whoop! And he said, are you doing the same works? <laughs> you think I make you feel bad sometimes. You should have been in that room that day. All of us 20-year-old, spirit-filled, wheels-off, hair-on-fired Christians sat kind of slunk down in our seat a little bit. Well, yeah, I haven't seen all of it. Yeah? Yes, Jesus wants us to do the greater works, but are we doing the works? And it's not just works like lay hands on, like spit on a blind guy. <laughs> All right, did it, Jesus. Aren't you bold? That's not it in its totality. Jesus rescued the hurt and the lost. Jesus defended the prostitute. Jesus loved the unlovely. Jesus touched the leper. Jesus told the truth to a king. Hey, Herod. It's not just the works like Jesus healed people that he's talking about. It's all the works. Do you love like Jesus? Amen. Do you heal like Jesus? Do you think like Jesus? Do the works that he does and greater works. Amen. But note that Jesus said the confirmation that his ministry was from God was the works. Now, let me ask you this. If Jesus needed to have his ministry confirmed, who do we think we are? <laughs> Amen. I had a guy graduate. I'd, obviously, I'm on staff at a seminary, and so I get to deal with some unique people in that environment. And I had a, God say, a guy say one time, 
that he's got a MDiv, which is a Masters of Divinity. He's like, I got an MDiv. And I was like, well, how'd he do? I'm like, I got a boot. Like, are we, like, is one worth more than the other? Like, are you doing the stuff? And he was basically saying he didn't have to do the stuff because he's got the MDiv. And, and I was pretty clear with him, and we haven't talked in 10 years. <laughs> I was pretty clear with him uh, that God don't give a rip about your MDiv if you're not doing the ministry the way Jesus did the ministry. Amen. Now, if you're doing the ministry the way Jesus did the ministry, get your MDiv. Go for it. Rip it. I'll help you. But to think that there's some other thing in your life that is going to give you some kind of uh, verification, some kind of qualification from heaven when you're not doing the works that Jesus did, you're, you are on purpose deceiving yourself. Well, I'm a member at the First Church of the Frigid Air. Well, congratulations. Woohoo, you're a member. Who sends you to heaven? The people that filled out your membership application? Or the confirmation of heaven. Well, I had a, I had a, this, this, oh boy. Oh, look at the time, I have to move on. <laughs> this happened not that long ago, well, probably about two years now. But there was a person that I was fussing at him about marriage because so many people jack up covenant and we have, have a really high calling here at Beloved Church to protect the biblical sanctity of marriage because nobody else is doing it. And I was fussing at this person over their marriage because they had a friend go online and pay $12 and get a marriage certificate so that they could be married by a preacher. I said, you think because they had a $12 certificate online that you got in a covenant with God? Are you really that stupid? Are you really that stupid? Well, yeah, they had a certificate. <laughs> People believe this stuff, y'all. Heaven is your confirmation. If the change ain't real in you, if you're not actually living the stuff, then don't think that there's some other back door. You're not getting into the sheepfold by climbing over the fence. There's no tricks. You either go through the door, Jesus, or you don't get in. There's one door, and it's Jesus. Romans 15, 19. It says, and uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, and he said, In mighty signs and wonders, and by the spirit, power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Ilycurium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. You ever heard of the term full gospel? There's a lot of full gospel churches that according to Paul don't have the full gospel. I want you to think about this verse. He says that it was the mighty signs and wonders that made his gospel full. You know how many people have a partial gospel? <laughs> Amen. Again, don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. This is Paul. When you get to heaven, tell him, like, I didn't like your Romans. It doesn't change it. He said that what makes our gospel full, what fully preaching the gospel is, according to Paul, 
under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The full preaching of the gospel is signs and wonders. You know how many people have literally rebuked me? Some of them, while they're rebuking me, I gotta like wipe the, like say it, don't spray it, bub. <laughs> rebuked me because they tell me that I should just stick with the gospel. Just stick with the gospel, man. <coughs> signs and wonders is the gospel. In fact, I could have, I didn't, praise God. You know how loving and gracious your pastor is. I could have argued back and said, well, you know, Romans 15, 19 says you're the one that's actually not preaching the gospel because I'm trying to do everything I can to bring supernatural occurrences into this world. And how many of these preachers are out there? Just preach the gospel. Don't worry about baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about people getting healed. Don't worry about none of that stuff. You just preach the gospel, preach the gospel. How about preach the full gospel? How about let us do this? How about we tell people how to be whole, tell people how to be healed, and do it? How about we tell people how to be redeemed, we tell people how to, how to get out of sin and addiction, and we supernaturally help them? You know how many churches today, if somebody walks in and they're, they're in an addiction, and they, they want to be free, and the pastor will say, well, they've got this Celebrate Recovery program over there at this other church. You should go hook yourself up. No, this is where the gospel happens. And the gospel is, oh, you want to be free from an addiction? Well, hallelujah. We have the Holy Spirit here. Let's do that. The disciples and Paul themselves did not believe that they had fully preached the gospel unless there were signs and wonders. Kind of quiet in this Baptocostal church. Mark 16, verse 19, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is sitting. Lord, please come and lay your hand on my fevered bow, brow. Well, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm seated up here with the Father. I'm on break. But Lord, please come. Please come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you say it holy, he'll come, right? <laughs> Jesus is seated. 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 Sitting. Sitting. You know what I mean. Stop it. So then what's going to work? Verse 20. And they went out. Whoop. And they went out and preached everywhere. And then the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by signs that accompanied it. <laughs> you know, we're trying to send Jesus, you know, that song that, that Ryan wrote, by the way, that rugged song that Ryan wrote, so too many times we're asking the Father, we're asking God to do what he's already done. God is saying, hey, if you go out and you preach everywhere, I'll go with you. Yeah. No, Lord, you go do it. Lord, go heal somebody. Uh, that's not how it works. You go, and I'll go with you. Okay, this is one of those statements that I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to hide. <laughs> Healing is for a believer who is not born again. Divine health is for a believer who is. Jesus 
never, God word, Jesus never healed a Christian. Not one person that Jesus ever healed was a Christian. Now, for some of you, like, huh? well, let me make it feel better. That means everybody Jesus healed was a sinner. Yay! You know what qualifies you for healing in Jesus' ministry? Sinner! Yay! So does anybody in here qualify for healing? Everybody. Everybody qualifies for healing. But that's not the Lord's will. The Lord don't want you healed. He wants you whole. Healthy. You know what's better than healing? Not needing it. Amen. That'll sink in on Tuesday. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus, then Jesus went. He didn't do it before that. In case you don't know that, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30. He actually waited until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was one of those weirdos. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So what is sick? According to the Bible, sick is oppressed by the devil. So let me unpack some of this for you. That doesn't mean, so that means that sick is not some awesome thing that God gave you to teach you a lesson. That doesn't mean that sick is actually a blessing in disguise. I've heard that one. And I didn't even hit the person that said it. You should be really proud of me. That doesn't mean that uh, that sick is uh, an opportunity for you to grow and learn that God Instead of actually doing it to you, this is a whole doctrine that's out there, that God allowed it. God didn't make you sick, but he allowed you to get sick. And let me help you with this called Calvinism or Reformed theology, and it's a scourge on the body of Christ. And let me help you unpack that. If somebody broke in my house at midnight to come in and murder my wife and steal my stuff, And I allowed it. How much better is that? If the devil comes into your life to kill, steal, and destroy, and God allows it, then don't sing about a good God ever again. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That means 100% of the people that Jesus healed were under oppression of the devil. There would be no such thing as sickness or disease had it not been for the devil. So it's not a good thing. Can good things happen from it? Yes, of course. Yes, of course, you can go through terrible sicknesses, you can get stronger in the Lord, you can come out on the other side and you can say, man, I am so much better now that I've gone through the thing. And I will amen you. But the moment you say, that's why God sent me through the thing, I'm gonna be like, ah, you better back it on up there, sister. 
You could have got better without going through the stupid. That was your choice to go through the stupid. Kay and I have the best marriage on the planet, on the planet. And I'm not even going to take opportunities for anybody to argue with me. You're just wrong. We have the best marriage on the planet. Some of the reason that we have the best marriage on the planet is because I broke our covenant. I committed adultery. I did terrible crap. I almost destroyed our marriage. I was mean to my wife and to my kids by default. I did stupid, terrible, ugly, nasty, ungodly things as a Christian. And we worked through it all. And the other side of that, the redemption side of that has made us Bulletproof. Bulletproof. There ain't nothing that Kay and I will never be able to ever defeat. We are Teflon. And I could say, it would be really easy for me to say, well, therefore, if you want a really good marriage, have you some adultery. (laughs) And you're laughing because you're like, well, that's stupid. Well, apply that principle towards all the other stuff. The problems in your life didn't come to make you better, but you can be made better by going through the problems. God doesn't want you in the problems. He actually wants you to learn a better way. He wants you to come to Beloved Church and listen to the pastor. It's way better than going through the stupid. But a lot of people are going to go through the stupid and then call the pastor. Hey, Steve. Hey, what happened? Did a piece of stupid. Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Notice were, were, past tense, were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you used to walk. Notice the past tense, you used to walk stupid. When you were conformed to the ways of this world and the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Notice the now at work. That means everybody who's unsaved has a spirit. You can say it this way. The whole world is possessed. <laughs> That'll make you feel better because some of you know exactly what Oh, that. Now I get it. That person at work. <laughs> yep. They're possessed. That's what the Bible says. Now the spirit of the world is working in those people. They're possessed. If you know this, why are you dealing with them like they're a Christian? They're possessed. And so were you. (laughs) Amen. Let's not be all like, yeah, that world. What about you? Uh, You were possessed. The spirit of disobedience was working in your life. You were possessed by this spirit. And then you got a new spirit. Verse 8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Grace is God giving you something you don't deserve. Grace is God doing something for you that you didn't earn. Grace is God being awesome. Faith is you accepting his awesomeness. Verse 9, not by works. You didn't get saved by works. You got saved by grace and believing what God did so that no one can boast. I cannot brag about being saved. I didn't do it. I can brag that I'm living in salvation. Amen. 
Verse 10, for we, you and I, beloved, are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus to do good works. What kind of works? The same works that he did and greater works than these shall you do. To do good works which God prepared in advance as our way of life. Your way of life is to do this. Romans 8.11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. You know what if means? It's, it's a qualifier. If. Maybe. Maybe not. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he, the father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You know what that's called? Divine help. Sickness is something from out trying to get in. Divine health is something in trying to get out. So if the spirit of him that raised Christ Jesus lives in you, which means that you've allowed the spirit of God to come into you, that could be new birth, or it could be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to argue over semantics. If you've allowed that spirit to live in your life, then that spirit's one of the jobs of the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of you is to quicken your mortal body. Make your mortal body mortal. You know what mortal means? Mortal means one day it's going to go away. God knows that. He knows you're on loan in this earth suit. But he gave you divine power while you're on loan in this earth suit that you don't have to have your stuff fall apart like all the people in the commercials. Amen. Do you wake up in the middle of the night? Do you have to go to the bathroom too often? Do you... They will talk you into being sick if you listen to their commercials. The other day, one of them was on somewhere where Kay and I were, and it was in the peripheral, and I heard the thing, you know, do you uh, struggle, or is it hard for you to go to the bathroom or pee or something like that? And I heard that, and it was like, oh, well, sometimes. No! I, li I literally did that. Because <laughs> it was trying to get in. It was trying to get in my brain. It was trying to make me think, like, well, you know, I... Make you reflect about the last time you went to the bathroom. No, I'm not going there. It was going in. No, no. Even Kay was like, what the heck? <laughs> Stupid TV from hell. You need to reject that stuff. Those words create images. Those words create connections. Those words create truths, and you'll live in them. But God's words create other connections and other truths, and you can live in those truths instead of the other truths that the world is trying to glowing screen flash into your brain. The Spirit of God wants to give your mortal body, your mortal body. God knows that we are but clay. We are but dust. He knows that. And so he gave you divine power to make your dust awesome. God can do that. The first person was dust. The first person that God ever made lived 950 years. Man, what God can do with dust Third John, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things in the King James that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Above all things, God wants you to live in divine health. This is divine health. This isn't get healed. 
It doesn't say, beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and get healed. The Berean says, beloved, I pray that in every way you may prosper and enjoy good health. You know, good is a God word. He wants you to have health the way he wants you to have health, which doesn't include a medicine cabinet overflowing and 40 trips to the doctor every month. And everything hurts when you wake up. Who even goes around in the middle of the night beating everybody up so they have to feel that way when they wake up anyway? I've always wondered about that. Who was in my room last night and hit me in the back? All I did was sleep. And then you wake up, uh, take authority. Allie must be beating Bob up in the middle of the night. As a new covenant believer, everything that Jesus needed to do for our healing and health has been done. If God wanted you healed, what would he do? Uh, and I really want you to think this. I know I'm using a lot of rationality and, and logical aspects on this message, but I want you to get this. If God wanted someone to be healed, what would he do? He would send Jesus to get their healing. So he did that. So if you're going to be healed now, how are you going to get it? The way that he did it. It only comes one way. First Peter 2.24. He himself, Jesus. I love how this is in there. In the Greek, this is even more beautiful than it is in English. He himself. It's like, there was no one else that could do this. There was no better option. God knew that this needed to happen, so God himself did it. <laughs> it's like you've heard that old adage, like if you need something done right, do it yourself. That's exactly what God did. Abraham failed, David failed, Adam failed. You know what I gotta do? Myself. <laughs> so, People that don't receive that atoning work, they're almost like, hey, God, I need better than you. He himself bore our sin, sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin. Anybody die to sin in here? Man, we need more people than that. I don't believe there's some born-again folks in here. So that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. Now this is, if, you're gonna, if you catch this, this will set you free. And live in righteousness. And then he quotes Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. By his stripes you are healed. Healing, physical healing, is righteousness. Do you see it? So then what's sick? Now, before someone gets condemned, Pastor Steve called me unrighteous because I have a headache. No. Your head is out of right standing with what God wants it to be. So it's unrighteous. If your knee hurts, it is not right. So it's unright. 
If your guts are tore up, if you got a sickness or a disease, it's not right. It's not the way that God intended. A cancer cell is a cell that's not right. It's not right. It's unright. Healing is right. Sickness and disease is unright. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might become the rightness. In him we're right. In him you're healed. In him. Everything's right in him. Now we all agree with that. So where are you? In him. Well, I don't feel like it. Aha! So now we're going by how we feel. Right. On the finished work of Christ side of the cross. So we're on this side, right? Jesus died 2,000 years ago. So we're on the finished work of the side, finished work of, of Christ. We're on this side. The finished side. This, our focus on this side is on the manifestation. It's not on the instigation. I'm not trying to get God to heal me. I'm trying to get my body to receive what God has done to heal me. I'm not trying to instigate healing. I'm trying to manifest it. I'm not trying to instigate my divine health. I'm trying to manifest it. And the difference between those two, you might be sitting there thinking, what's the difference? The difference is, the, is a chasm wider than the universe. Because if you're trying to get healed, you're damned. Because God ain't doing it again. He sent Jesus one time. There was one atonement. There was one cross. There was one time he took stripes. That's it. That's what God did for you to get healed. You either get it that way or you don't get it. He's not resending Jesus for you because you cried really, really hard. Because you prayed fervently. God, do it. God ain't doing it. He already did it. And all of your emotions ain't going to move him. And how infantile is it to think that we're going to cry and God's going, okay, fine, stop crying. I'll give you the toy in Walmart. Just don't throw a temper tantrum. He's not a bad parent. You want to cry about it? You can cry about it. But the way you're getting healed is by the stripes of Jesus. Mark 16, verse 17, these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, in my character, nature, honor, essence, and authority, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will. I don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in those weird tongues. Okay, well then don't believe. I don't know what your Bible says, but that's what my Bible says. If I believe, then I'll speak in new tongues. Well, that means learn Spanish. Okay, they didn't have Spanish back then. <laughs> 18, they'll pick up snakes with their hands. Don't. After I did the new tongue thing, I realized that, oh, the next verse, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to deal with that right now. But it doesn't mean go find you a snake and make a pet. 
and then wait for it to bite you. And you're like, yay, I did what Jesus said. No, this is not. This is actually a spiritual connotation. So anyway, just like tongues are a spiritual connotation. It has a physical manifestation, but it's a spiritual reality. Same thing with the snakes. It's a, spirit, it's a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. Those of you that are weirded out by the vaccine because somebody next to you had the vaccine and you think they're leaking it on you, let me, I got a verse for you. <laughs> what in the new covenant, what's in us gets on other people. Not what's in other people gets on us. In the Old Testament, you touched a leper, you got leprosy. In the new covenant, Jesus touches a leper, they get healing. In the old covenant, somebody gets a vaccine, you get leaked on. So get born again, you could be in the new covenant, so then somebody gets a vaccine and you can leak healing on them. You don't even have to tell them, you can just sit next to them and say, I'm leaking, I'm leaking, I'm leaking, I'm leaking, I'm leaking. <laughs> If they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will be made well. Who lays hands on? Jesus? An angel from heaven? The Holy Spirit will come down like a dove and flitter his wings in their face. And you lay hands on. You lay hands on. Well, I don't want to lay hands on. Well, start with your wife. I'll do it. Do it right now. James 5. Is there anyone, is any one of you sick? I'm the only preacher I've ever heard say this. But why is that a question? Because in the first church, it was so uncommon for people to be sick that he actually had to ask. Is there anybody there that's sick? No? Okay, well then skip this part. You, you know what you can't do in today's modern progressive church? Ask if anyone's sick. Sick? Man, I got a list. Hold on. Let me get out my phone. I'll, show, I'll tell you all the things I got. And they're coming up with new ones every day. They just make up sicknesses and diseases. You got, you got rock and mouth disease. What is that? What you got? Oh, I got rock and mouth disease. I was in a hotel one time, and the, when, you, when you walked in, when they, some hotel chain, when you walk in, they have a, a, the TV's already on, and it's doing the hotel scrolling thing. And I walked in this thing, and this thing was just scrolling, so I didn't get after it. I was unpacking it. And then in the middle of the scrolling, it had a commercial that came on. And the commercial was for restless leg syndrome. Here I am, minding my own business, and then the devil wants to come and pee all over my room. Restless leg syndrome. And it says, have you ever had restless leg syndrome? I'm like, my wife thinks I was born with it. <laughs> I'm always shaking my leg. If you're sitting with me, I'm just like, what are you doing? Hold still. I am. No, you're not. I don't have restless leg syndrome. I just like to bounce my leg. Thanks for condemning me, TV. They'll talk you into being sick with stuff that you ain't never thought that you were sick with. 
Is anyone among you sick? They did a lot better job of living in divine health back then than we do now. They knew this. Is anyone among you sick? Well, he should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. I can count on two hands and two, toe, two feet <laughs> the number of times I've actually had someone do this. I've been doing ministry 25 years. We're not doing this. I'm not calling for the elders of the church. I'm calling dial a doctor. Dial a doctor is going to get me healthy way before Steve will. What's Steve know? Amen. What happens if you didn't have dial a doctor? Phone a nurse. WebMD. Real doctor. Real hospital. You know, there was times in human history we didn't have all this stuff. What did they do? Well, in the first church, I can tell you exactly what they did. This verse. This verse. That's what they did. That's all they did. That's all they had. But because you have all these other options, you don't have to use this verse. This verse is only for old-timey Christians who didn't have the cool, modern, progressive way that we do the medical world. A amen or oh me? They did this. And don't come up here, hey, uh, I'm going to do verse 6. No. You do it next week. Let it sink in. Because you don't believe it. Don't just say, I read it, and like, oh, okay, that's how we do it now. And then you come up here and wait for me to do my magic formula potion on you because you're going to see if it works. No, they knew it worked. That's why they did it. We, we don't do this stuff. And it, the, our churches are sick. The American church is sick. They are filled with diseased people. Filled with them. Filled with them. I did. I was in a. I was traveling one time in another church. Totally not going to tell you where. And they had a after, uh, an after thing like we do, like our kononias, and we had a meal and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know they were doing this. I just came to preach, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come?" I'm like, "Of course, kononia. Woo! Sign me up." And so we had a big meal and all that kind of stuff. And then they all played. I don't know what it's called uh, when you. You basically play volleyball with a, with a football. Uh, uh, it's in other countries. They use like, kind of like a hacky sack, and they play volleyball with a hacky sack. It's a cool game. And so we went and played this game afterwards. And I was by far the oldest person playing this game and outplaying the kids. And I remember thinking, why am I the one that's actually healthy enough to do this game? Oh, that's right, because I'm in a church. That's not okay. You know, Abraham, oh boy, <laughs> running out of time. Abraham was pushing 100 and got Sarai pregnant. <laughs> Just got awkward. Moses climbed a mountain at 120. Climbed a mountain. You ever seen one? He climbed it. And the Bible says that his natural forces were not abated, which means if he would have had a Sarah, mm -hmm. and his eyesight was not dim. He didn't have to pull out his spectacles to get up the mountain. He, you know, Moses was in an old covenant. He didn't have Christ. There was no stripes. 
Amen? Amen. David could run over, a, uh, could jump over a wall and defeat a troop, and he didn't have a new covenant? And you have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus living in you? Amen? <clears throat> Caleb climbed a mountain and done tore him up some Nephilim. 80 years old. 80-year-old man going up there. Show me them giants. Reminds me of my stepdad. <laughs> kind of his attitude towards stuff. He should call for the elders of the church and pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, somebody said something about therefore today. Who said something about therefore? You got to see what it's there for. If you see therefore, see what it's there for. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. We don't do this. You don't go up to people and say, look, I've got some issues. I need you to help me work through my issues, pray for me, and I know I'm going to be healed. No, we keep our issues and our sickness. The prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Divine health works the same way as any and, other, any and every other benefit of salvation. Healing is not some obscure thing over here that healing works this way, but the rest of salvation works this way. No, healing works the exact same way. You hear the truth, you believe the truth, and then you have corresponding actions to the truth how it works. When we respond in faith, the power of God is provided by grace to manifest. The power resides continuously and infinitely in our spirit man, but needs to pass through our soul man into our body. That's why if your soul is sick, your body is going to be sick. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, therefore, there's another therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Just as. The way you got saved is the way you stay saved. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Overflowing with thanksgiving. <laughs> overflowing. <clears throat> so we're going to have altar ministers that are going to come up here at the... Uh, after I'm done blessing you, and they are going to be more than happy to minister divine health to you if you're born again. If you're not born again, you can be born again and healed. It's a twofer. <clears throat> Please understand that all these truths that I just went through, scriptural truths that I went through, are going to take a lot of working out likely on the inside of you. So if, you just, if it just doesn't click and you don't float out of here on a cloud, on a glory cloud with angels singing, that's okay. But at least start the journey. Some of you may have never heard the term divine health until today. I'm okay with that. That's where we should be. Healing is not for believers. Healing is for unbelievers. Divine health is for believers. And you're believers, I believe. Please rise. Let me bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. 
You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.